Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Oh my gosh. Greetings, everyone. It feels so good to be back in the studio. Welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. For those of you that knows what's going on or what has happened, you completely understand my happiness right now. Anyway, I won't hold up this introduction, so let's get business done as usual and get into the vocal melatonin. I'd like to give a thank you of the reformed members of the channel. C.A.G., Interscare Wifey, Denise Seth, Through Scrutiny, Samantha Place, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Norman D.W., Christy Elliott, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's niece. Would like to learn how to become a member of the channel or would like to buy me a coffee as a special thank you. All that information can be found down below. Also, if you are new here or haven't done so already, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment. Not only does it help support the channel, but it also alerts you of every time I upload a video. Now, with all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and a happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled Let's Not Meet. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play, and after that there will be no more ad within the video. This happened when I was seven or eight years old, so the details are still fuzzy. My sister reminded me of this memory this past Halloween when we were taking her kids out trick-or-treating. When I was seven or eight, like over 20 years ago, my sister, who is nine years older than me, took me trick-or-treating since my parents were both working. They both worked at a hospital. My costume was a generic superhero costume where the mask can come on and off easy. We were walking for a while and my sister was letting me walk to the home by myself as she watched me from the sidewalk. We came to this house and an old man opens the door. He was about to give me a fun-sized candy bar, then said, Wait, come inside, and I'll give you the full-size candy bar. Me, being a dumb kid and only hearing full-size candy bar, went inside. Lo and behold, there was a box of full-size Snicker bars like the ones you get from Costco. I was given a Snickers bar and was about to leave when he said that he had more candy in the kitchen. 
That's when my sister showed up and said we need to leave. Of course, I left upset because I was dumb and I wanted more candy. She was upset because I went into a stranger's house and ended our trick-or-treating right then and there. Let's just say I wasn't allowed a piece of candy that night. A few days later, while my sister was watching the television, she screams, Mom, Dad, that's the guy from Halloween. Apparently, the old man that lured me into his house was arrested for luring kids into his home when he wasn't supposed to, since he was on the child sex offender registry. I am so thankful for my sister being there, and I'm very lucky nothing happened to the old man that tried to lure me further into his home. I hope you're rotting behind bars. When I was a 14-year-old girl, I was waiting in a parking lot in my mother's truck. She was at her doctor's office and I had opted to stay behind to read in the back seat. Luckily for me, I was slightly paranoid as a child and I locked all the doors. About 10 minutes after, my mother went upstairs, a station wagon pulled into the lot and screeched to a stop right behind my truck. Literally parked across the rear of the truck, blocking it in. Out of the station wagon came a gray-haired old man. He quickly came to my door and grabbed the handle. He never made eye contact with me. I froze in place. I felt like I couldn't do anything. He started shaking the handle violently and pulling on the door. It was an old truck, so the door moved quite a bit. I was scared, thinking the lock would fail or something. It was then I remembered my mother had left her dead cell phone in the front seat. I grabbed the phone and made a show of pretending to make a call, and the man looked up at me, then ran off back to his car, and away he sped. When my mother returned, she took me to the police station, and I gave them a description of the man in the car. They promised to call if they heard anything. About a week later, an officer called and informed us the man had been caught. Apparently, he tried to get two seven-year-old twin boys into his car, and their father had seen it all happening. The father ran up and hit the guy with a baseball bat while screaming at him to stay away from his kids. After the initial hit, he grabbed onto the guy and had a passerby call the police. I'm still glad to this day I had locked the doors of that truck. I was scared of staying behind alone in cars for a very, very long time after that. To preface, I live in a college town with six other young girls in our 20s. The city we live in is not that nice and has a huge homeless and drug problem where break-ins are not unusual. However, what happened last Saturday was definitely strange. My roommates and I, as well as some of our boyfriends, were hanging out and drinking in our house, while two of the girls opted to go out to a bar. By around 1 a.m., the two girls came home from the bar, and everyone was tired, so we all went to our own respective rooms. 
Later on in the night, I was awoken by someone opening my door and standing in my room, staring at me. In my head, I thought that it was one of my roommate's boyfriends trying to see if my boyfriend and I were still awake to continue to party. Since I was tired, I pretended to be asleep to avoid being bugged. After a bit, the person closes my door and proceeds to pace back and forth in the hallway. Then, they begin to attempt to open my roommate's door, whose room is right next to mine. Luckily, her door was locked and she also had her boyfriend with her. The person then proceeds to go into our utensils drawer and grabs a knife to attempt to pick her lock. After gaining some courage, her boyfriend shouts, Who the hell is that? Which startles the man, who then sprints up the stairs and out the door. The police were called and did a search and obviously didn't find anything. They told us break-ins were normal, which we knew. However, what makes this whole scenario creepier is that he didn't steal anything. My phone, alcohol and $600 shoes were untouched. We also suspect that this person was not on drugs or alcohol as he moved very quietly and deliberately. He was able to get in because the two girls who came home from the bar did not lock the door behind them. I am not sure what this man's intent was, but I am forever grateful that I happened to have my boyfriend with me, which is not often as he lives three hours away, and pretended to be asleep. It gives me chills thinking that a strange man was in my room and what could have happened to me if I was alone. Let me preface this by saying that I grew up in a very safe area. Play outside with no parental supervision, sure let's go exploring in the woods, walk your dog alone at 2 a.m., kind of safe. I had recently turned 16 and was reveling in the freedom of being a newly licensed driver. After one of my soccer games, I made a spur-of-the-moment decision to swing by the mall on my way home, just because I could. It was early in the fall, so when I got there, it was still fairly light outside. I parked far from the entrance, still a little nervous about parking next to other cars. I can't remember what I bought. I can't remember if I bought anything at all. I may have just wandered around aimlessly for a while. Teenagers are weird. Whatever the case, I know that by the time I was walking out the door, it was well past dusk. I know now that I was stupidly overconfident. There was almost no cars left in the parking lot at that point. Few mall goers were enthusiastic enough to stay until 9 p.m. on a Monday night. I began the long walk to my car by myself, walking down the aisle thinking about all the homework that I still had to do. Ah, shit. Anyways, it took me a while to notice that there was a car behind me. I probably would have noticed it sooner if the headlights had been on. Still, I thought nothing of it. I was walking rather closer to the center of the aisle than I needed to be, so I assumed that the car just didn't have enough space to get by me, in an empty parking lot, mind you, and graciously moved over. The car didn't pass me. 
The driver continued at my walking pace of less than three miles per hour, following me. Okay, maybe he's looking for a parking spot, except that he keeps passing empty spot after empty spot. Something clicked. I finally realized that this was creepy. I was afraid to turn around, to go back and try to find mall security, because this creepy car was directly in my way. In my mind, my best option was to continue walking as though I didn't realize anything was weird, get to my car, and get the hell out of there. I kept walking, but I moved my keys between my fingers and made a fist. In case I had to punch somebody, I've never punched anyone in my life. I waited as long as possible before unlocking my car, so creepy car guy wouldn't know where my destination was. I kept trying to convince myself that I was overreacting. Finally, I'm about two feet from my car. I hit unlock and my lights flash, giving me away. Creepy car immediately zooms into the spot directly next to mine on the passenger side of the car. I'm in the car and I'm closing my door as his door opens and a hand reaches out and I don't put my seatbelt on. I don't check that there's no one coming. I don't turn my headlights on. My key is in the ignition and I am out of that spot so quickly I think the rubber trail is still there. It's been several years since that incident. I no longer live in such a safe place. Still, after six years in a big city, I don't think I've ever quite felt as creeped out as I did that night. Four years ago, after just getting my degree, I decided it was time to leave my hometown and pursue my career. So I moved to the big city that was nine hours away from my parents and most of my family. I had no friends there for months and my starting salary was low because I came into the company as a trainee. I was very demotivated and I missed my family a lot. At some point, I decided to go visit the relatives who lived by the coast, which was four to five hours away in a car. I didn't have a car and the buses were expensive, but my cousin told me about this Facebook group for rides between my city and another city that was close to their town. I went there and found myself a ride with some university students who were just a few years younger than me. The day for the trip came by. I met them and in total it was five of us in a wide sedan. A lady who was studying medicine owner of the car, by the way, her boyfriend, the driver, a sophomore girl who was friends with them, and a random young guy who found their ad on Facebook. Let's just call him Mark. It was a Friday, and people from this whole region were infamous for drinking extremely often. So, inspired by the warning my cousin gave me, I awkwardly asked them, Sorry to ask, but none of you have drunk recently or planned to do it on our trip, right? The driver assured me that he was fully sober and that we wouldn't have any, even if the passengers did. After hearing that, his girlfriend and the other girl assured that they wouldn't drink because their parents were very strict and wouldn't let them misbehave. 
Mark giggled when hearing that and whispered to me, Women in their town are infamous for drinking a lot and denying it. The trip went on and we went around dozens of mountains. We had a few of conversations about university and work, but most of the trip was us listening to a popular singer from the 80s. After around two hours and a half, the driver stopped the car at a gas station as he needed the WC. Mark decided to go with him as he wanted to get something from the store. A few minutes later, I see Mark and our driver come back to the car, each holding a six-pack of cerveza. Well, actually, the driver was carrying two of those. I almost freaked out but kept my composure and asked them if they were going to drink now. The driver said, I won't until I'm done driving, but let the others and yourself take one or two if they want. Almost two hours later, we had left the mountains and arrived to a flat land. The sign said we were just one kilometer away from the city. Suddenly, the car took a right turn, leaving the main road and heading towards the suburbs. The place looked desolated, and most of the houses seemed empty. I definitely thought it was a bit weird, but didn't ask anything because I assumed that maybe we were dropping the other girl. They probably already knew where she lived. Off. The dude then just parked the car on the yard of an abandoned house and said, We are basically home. You guys down for some drinks? Mark was totally down with it, but the girls kept saying stuff as, I'm not sure, I don't usually drink. Okay, I'll make an exception. Only because we had tough midterms. I refused and said, but how are we going to get to the city? You guys agreed to take me to the bus station. They said it was already very close and that in the worst case I could just walk there. I was more worried because I had planned to take the local bus a certain hour to then get to my cousin's town, which was still one hour away from there. They started drinking really fast, and the girls got to the point where they were trying to pee doing a handstand against a wall. I was desperate to leave, but I didn't feel safe walking to the city because it was really dark out there, and this region had a bad reputation for crime. Outsiders were specifically more at risk. There was no phone signal there, so I had to wait for these guys and see what they could offer me. Then, finally decided it was time to go home. I said it wasn't okay for any of them to drive anymore, because they were all drunk and I offered to drive. However, the driver said, It's not up to me, the car belongs to my girlfriend. However, his girlfriend refused, saying that she didn't even know me and her dad wouldn't be okay with a stranger driving her car. I said I understood that, but that we had to sort this out somehow. After a bit, the driver finally got off from the driver's seat. I assumed they would let me drive. I was sitting in the middle of the back seat, so I asked the guys next to me to let me get off the car. The sophomore girl who was in my left, did. But before I could stop her, she climbed into the driver's seat. This girl started saying, Friend, please let me drive. It's close and there's no one outside anymore. The other girl said, Okay, sure, but go slow, okay? 
The previous driver got into the back seats with me and confined me back to the middle seat. I was getting upset and wanted to stop her, but I didn't know how to because everyone seemed okay with this idea. My panic got even worse when the sophomore girl started asking them how to turn on the car and how to operate it. You don't know how to drive a car? I asked in despair. <laughs> no, it's my first time trying. My parents haven't let me learn, she answered. Get down then, please. I have a driver's license. I can get you home safely, I said. Then the car's owner told me I couldn't decide over her car and said that it would be okay, that there was almost no one out driving at this hour and that they would help their friend learn how to drive. I asked them to let me get out of the car, but they wouldn't let me. They swore it was a very short drive and that we would go slowly and that it would be okay. The girl really had no idea about how to drive a car. Unfortunately, this was an automatic transmission car. Had it been a manual one, and she probably wouldn't have been able to even move it. And the car moved, but in the ways you would expect it to move with a driver who had never stepped on the pedals of an actual car. She would hit the brake and steer the wheel too hard. She drove on the middle of the road and kept freaking out while the others yelled at her what to do. I was begging them to let me out of the car, but they would not listen to me. Fortunately, the streets were empty, but I couldn't help to fear that if any car came, we would for sure crash right into it. Eventually, we made it to the street where the bus station was. As soon as they pointed that out, I asked them to just stop the car already and let me walk there, but they did not. They forced me to be dropped off in front of the station. I don't even know how I could get out of this sort of situation if it were to happen again. So, to those college students, I hope I never meet your crazy asses again. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. 
That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X.com. To start out with a little background info, I was a 13-year-old girl and an early bloomer, if you know what I mean. And I'm pretty tall for my age, so I looked older than I really was. Normally at the bus stop, when it was nice out, I would go to pick up my little brother from school, since I got out of school before he did. And it's about 20 houses down. I would always take my dog Caesar with me, because he loved the attention and a really good walk. I wouldn't say we live in a good area, but by no means is it horrible trash. Across the street from our bus stop is a blue house that had still been listed on the sex offender list. If you looked up the address, but I wasn't really ever scared because nothing had ever happened. The people that lived there consisted of four white men that were the definition of white trash. Their age ranges were 18 to 45, I think. There was also an old lady who was in her 60s or 70s. She always had her grandson over, but he didn't technically live there. She also drove the guys everywhere. One day, I was waiting at the bus stop with Caesar, while four of them were outside, two of them playing basketball, the oldest man sitting in a lawn chair drinking a beer and smoking a cigar with one of their younger buddies. I was on my phone and had my pocket knife in my back pocket because I'm very protective of myself. The older man sets his beer down and puts out his cigar. He walks across the street over kind of close to me, and I discreetly backed up a little. I just thought he was waiting for the kid and visited the old lady every week. I think he is her grandson, but I don't really know. He comes closer to me and asks to pet my dog. At this point, my dog is starting to growl. I say sure because I was very awkward at this age and tried to get my dog to sit at this point. Caesar is fully on barking at this guy and won't stop. After a couple of minutes, I say sorry he won't calm down, maybe later. I was trying to be friendly. He looks at me for the first time actually because he had only been looking behind me the whole time. He smiles and it was so creepy that it sent chills down my spine when I think about it even now he says it's all right maybe next time you are here he winks walks away and keeps clenching his fists so hard his knuckles turn white after he walks away Caesar calms down a little and starts sniffing behind me there are two huge trees behind me and another row of houses he keeps pulling so I figure he sees a squirrel which he only growls at squirrels. He starts full-on barking at the trees. I walk him over to the actual bus stop, which is at the corner, and he finally calms down. A couple of minutes later, I hear footsteps behind me, and I turned around and see a guy run out from behind the two big trees, and I immediately recognize them as the fourth guy from that house. Sadly, on November 7th, 2017, Caesar passed away at the age of five due to a cancerous tumor that spread to his lungs. I don't know what would have happened if my dog wasn't there to save me. So, creepy old guy across the street from my bus stop 
I hope I never meet you again. As a kid growing up, I lived in a pretty secluded neighborhood where my bus would drop me off from school. I had to walk through a small wooded area and a good distance down the road to get home. The houses were not close together and nobody was ever outside or anything. That led to some less than pleasant encounters with strange drivers. I remember a black car with tenant windows would occasionally visit while I was outside. They would speed at me and seemingly try to hit me, turn around and do it again. I had to hop a neighbor's fence twice to avoid being struck, as they would even come up on the grass and skim the fence. I was too young to have any friends that drove at the time, so it wasn't one of them playing a messed up prank. I don't know why they did this, but I remember them coming down my street a few times as a kid. Whenever I was in a yard and not on the street, they would drive at a crawl right past me. Another time I was in middle school walking home. I did dress nice that day, but in my opinion, I definitely still looked like a child. A man in a faded red truck slowed and paced beside me. He rolled down his window and asked, Hey, are you broke down anywhere? You need a ride? I politely declined, saying that I didn't drive. He asked, Are you sure? I don't know why, but him asking if I'm sure gave me a chill. I politely reaffirmed that I was in middle school and couldn't drive, which was probably a stupid thing to say. God, kids are dumb. He still slowly paced me, though we were both silent. It was probably only like 10 seconds, but... Every passing moment was increasingly heavy. I was right about to bolt when he drove off to the end of the street. I ran the rest of the way home, went inside, and from my kitchen window, I watched the same damn truck slowly drive down my street two more times. I told myself that maybe he was just an awkward guy who was bad at picking up women, but why did he come down my street again twice after I got home? Why did he continue to pace me, trying to pick up a woman who clearly looked like a schoolchild? Maybe he was debating on kidnapping me. Maybe he was just a strange person. Though, he gave me a bad vibe from the start. I was more cautious walking home after this. But I never saw that guy again, thankfully. My sister and my best friend were chased by a man in a red truck when they were in elementary school, but I don't know if it was the same guy. Living in the middle of nowhere in the south, there's a ton of trucks everywhere. It was years before my encounter, and the guy didn't chase me, but who knows. All I know is that there were some crazy people to go down our neighborhood, and I wasn't the only one who experienced them. To both the black car and truck driver, I'm glad our meetings were brief, and I hope you didn't scare or harm anyone else. Never thought something like this would happen to me, but here we go. 
I live in a small college town that was considered the most dangerous city in America per capita not so long ago. There's a shitload of gang violence, drug use, and a ton of just shitty people. I freaking hate this town. Anyway, I struggle with clinical depression, and recently after a long time of doing fairly well, it has hit me again like a truck. This day, in particular, was very bad. I woke up and immediately just felt horrible, and my day was just a blur of moping at school. So I ended up skipping my tennis class final hour because it was raining and I wouldn't be missing out on anything. Days like this, I can just tell my teacher I'm going to the library and just go home. I get home and I just immediately go on a walk without going outside. Going on walks and working out often makes me feel a lot better on days like this. I live like a mile from the college campus, so typically it's pretty safe. There's always police patrolling and there's places where you can press a button in case of emergency everywhere on campus. I was just walking in my fields and I get about halfway through the campus after walking around for like 30 minutes and I decide to turn around and head home. I decide to take a different path home and walk down the street where the off-campus apartments and frats are. After walking, getting about halfway back home, I stop and sit on the stairs to one of the apartment buildings. I was sitting there for about 10 minutes, just texting my friends and trying to cheer up, when I noticed some F-head in a big black pickup with heavily tinted windows drive by very slowly. I thought it was weird, but I just brushed it off thinking it was someone looking for a certain apartment or something. Then, about 30 seconds later, I see him pass again. This time, I give them a huge death stare because I was getting slightly paranoid. They proceed to drive past and I still haven't been able to make out their face. This happens two more times and I was getting a bit freaked out. I didn't even look down at my phone to call or text someone because I was panicking and I didn't want to take my eyes off the road. This time he proceeds to turn around right in front of me and pull up next to me. I'm 17 but I look like I'm 14 and the fact that my hair was wet and down didn't help. Without my hair being styled I almost look like I have a bowl cut. Anyway. They pull up directly next to me and park with the passenger side next to me. At that moment, I am freaking out, and I get up. I hear the door open and immediately bolt around the corner of the apartment building and hide. I sit behind a small bush next to the door of the neighboring apartment building where I wouldn't be seen. I immediately proceed to call my girlfriend. No answer. I call my best friend. No answer. I call my other close friend I met through my girlfriend and he picks up. Which I was surprised since he hardly even answers his phone. I couldn't call my mom because I know she would never let me go on walks again. But it's something I genuinely enjoy. It's very therapeutic to me. I tell them where I am and if something happens to call the police immediately. My girlfriend calls and I tell her I'm going to talk to her. At this point, I proceed to quietly break down talking to her 
and make a plan if anything happens. After about eight minutes, I walk out thinking he must have left by now, and I see the hood of his truck pulling out of the parking lot to the apartments I was originally at. So I stayed out of sight and ran back to where I was before and stayed there for about 10 more minutes, shaking. I finally get the nerves to get up. I quickly move to a public road and walk home immensely paranoid the entire time. For days, I couldn't look at pickups without my heart racing. I'm over it now, but Jesus Christ. Guy in the black pickup, I hope I never meet you again. And as well, stay away from young girls. So, this just happened like almost an hour ago. I was asleep for most of the day and I woke up at like 1am. I realized while asleep, no one brought something to drink for the house and I'm pretty sure the jug of water is all gone by now. I decided to do what I usually do when to go outside to this one store that stays open even late at night. Now, I usually tried to avoid going there, so I tried to avoid leaving too late to go outside to go get something if we really need it, mainly because the store sucks and the fact I don't like being outside too late, even if I'm close or near my house, especially these streets. There's nothing wrong with my neighborhood and it's safe actually. Just the five or six blocks between here and the block I have to turn to go on to get to that store around this time barely has anyone out. And my cousin, who is staying with me until he gets back on his feet, kind of made me even more paranoid than I am already. And I'm a very paranoid, like really badly. He started talking about black women going missing a lot out in our city and all that shit and that he actually saw a missing poster recently around here, which is rare to see. Again, this neighborhood is fairly safe. So I really didn't want to leave at this point, but I had to. I left the house and started walking to the store. I noticed that this time there were zero people out, not even really any cars coming by or anything. As I said, Usually you would see some people out, but not on this night, they were gone. As I said, usually you would see some people out, but no, there were none. Just me. This placed me more on edge. Because I have a history of being followed because New York City just be like that, I always look back behind me once in a while as I'm walking and make up a plan on a spot to confirm if people are following me and how to escape them especially if I'm out late. I kept turning my head slightly and see through shadows and windows if somebody or someone was following me as I don't like to make it known that I know and just do subtle shit to confirm. Nothing and no one showed up. I did my usual and crossed the street on like the third block and kept walking down the same path just on a different side of the road. I only do this because once I get to the fifth block, I have to be on that side of the road to turn the corner and walk down that block. As I said, I would turn around to check if someone has popped up and if they were following me. 
And, to my surprise, there was this black SUV slowly driving right behind me. You couldn't see who was inside. At first, I tried to let my paranoia get the best of me, so I tried to rationalize the situation and thought this person was either looking for parking or was about to park due to the headlights was pointed more in the direction of the side and specifically at me, as if it was about to go and park right next to it. To be honest, that rationalization of it made no sense since the block was filled with cars parked and usually if a person can't find parking, they would just go drive around and not slow down near a sidewalk. I kept looking back frequently to see what the person in the SUV was doing or going to do. And the more I kept walking, the more that attempt to rationalize the situation went out the window as the car kept going. No change of pace, right behind me even onto a different block. And the only time it did change its pace was when I started changing my pace to walk faster. But it still went slow enough where you couldn't even hear it. My first thought was, I couldn't turn around and go back home. And as sure as hell can't find a police station around here to go into. Usually if I'm being followed, I would text someone to call me and talk to them just in case something happens, so I sent out my location to the main people I talked to. My boyfriend, my friend, my mom, and my dad, and called my mom. I didn't tell her what was happening, I just strike up a random conversation that was weird enough for her, to hopefully get that something was wrong. I kept looking back behind me, and I guess I looked back enough where whoever was in the SUV noticed that I noticed them. And that's when they decided to speed up and go park at the beginning of the next block. The block I was literally about to cross the street to walk onto. They didn't even fully park onto the block. There wasn't even space enough to park onto that part of the block and they never got out. Their lights were still on, as if they were just waiting there. I stopped right there. I was and kept talking to my mom. Hell, I wasn't even really talking at this point. I just stood there, not even really walking forward from where I was at, and kept talking to my mom. Hell, I wasn't even really talking at this point. I was just trying to do anything to keep her on the line with me. Unfortunately, my mom did not notice anything was wrong. I stood there, not even really walking forward from where I was at. If anything, I was very slowly taking steps backwards. In that moment, I was making a choice because the SUV was obviously not looking for parking. Best case scenario, whoever was inside was doing whatever the hell they were doing and didn't have anything to do with me. Worst case, they were planning on doing something to me. Now, I don't think the best case scenario is what was happening. I'm not dumb. And if it had nothing to do with me, it wouldn't have slowly lurked behind me that whole block. My mind went to worst case scenario and I was debating on slowly going backwards to my house where they wouldn't notice since I was still behind them. That instantly went out the window in my mind because something I learned is to never lead anyone back to your house if they're following you. 
and as I said, there was no police stations nor fire stations nearby I can stop at. No one was around, not even cars passing through. So I just stood there, and the SUV still stayed right there. No one coming out or into it. I didn't want to take the risk of walking onto the next block either. I'm guessing the person noticed I wasn't walking anymore, and it fully registered to them that I saw them and they drove down to the end of the block and tried to hide among the parked cars. It would have worked had I not moved a certain angle to see that they went and parked in a place I wouldn't have seen them at had I kept walking, which was around the corner of the end of the next block. And again, no one got in or out. The SUV stayed on and was just sitting there. I still not cross onto the next block. I did not continue my route to the store because that meant walking down that block and I wasn't risking shit just to go to the store to pick up something. So I just slowly took a few steps back, turned and went back home due to the fact whoever was inside wouldn't have noticed if I turned back around and left. I sprinted fast back to my house kept looking behind me to see if the SUV had turned back around and noticed. Gladly, I made it back to my home and no one followed me. But, I am shaken up and refuse to test my luck to go out and buy stuff for the house. Even if the SUV is long gone, I'd rather wait till morning where I at least know people will be outside to see me. Looking back at it, the SUV literally popped up out of nowhere, considering the fact I always look behind me frequently, and I do not remember even seeing it anywhere parked or driving anywhere when I looked behind me before that, and didn't even hear it pull up. And I wasn't listening to music either. Makes me pretty sure whoever was in there was more than likely trying to kidnap me. I was actually planning on to stop looking behind me as I saw no one prior and was going to walk and simultaneously watch a Mr. Beast video. I actually was just walking and looking at my phone. Once I had hit the middle of the third block, had something told me to look behind me, I wouldn't have noticed the SUV and I don't want to imagine what would have happened. A few years ago, it was a Friday, I was off work at lunchtime and was looking forward to the weekend. I commute 40 miles to work, so I still did not feel like waiting till I got home to have lunch. I decided to go to a chain grocery and get a sandwich and since it was a beautiful autumn day, sunny, but the air was crisp and cool. I was going to sit in my car, eat my sandwich, drink my coke, and enjoy a new book I had purchased recently. I parked near the back of the parking lot, and after getting my food and returning to my car, I opened my car door. Because the sun was shining and even though it was cool outside, it was a little hot inside the car. I was not too concerned or worried about anyone bothering me, since the city has a low crime rate and this grocery store was in a good neighborhood, but I still would frequently look in my mirrors and kind of glance around just to be on the safe side 
I had just done a quick scan around the parking lot and did not see anyone. And upon returning, my attention to my book, I heard a male say, Excuse me, miss. I looked up and there was a guy standing there. He was standing at the end of my open car door and it gave me a weird vibe because I had just said I scanned the parking lot and had not seen anyone. My first assumption was that he was homeless and I was expecting him to ask for spare change. I've been approached by homeless people before and have never had a problem with any of them. Anyway, this guy was pretty big, chubby, but muscular too. He looked like he could be on a football team. He was probably just under six foot, 20-something blonde hair to his shoulders. He looked a little scruffy and unkempt, and he wore a backpack. He said words to this effect. My father just died in Kentucky. Someone told me that there is a rescue mission over on Tennessee Street, and they, the rescue mission, would buy me a bus ticket to go home. Just to clarify, I'm in Florida. The city I was in has streets named after states. I assumed he was asking me for directions, so I replied that Tennessee Street was only about half a mile over. I then pointed that way and gave him directions and explained that I was not real familiar with that area. I don't know where the actual place was he was looking for, but the street I did know. I assumed he would then leave, but he didn't. He repeated the same spiel again about his father being dead, free bus ticket, rescue mission, etc. And I found myself repeating the directions and once again how I was unfamiliar with that area. After our second verbal dance, it began to dawn on me that he was dropping a major hint that he wanted me to offer him a ride over to Tennessee Street. I was not meaning to be uncaring, but I don't give rides to strangers. Well, he repeated himself a third time, and while I again found myself repeating the directions for him, I noticed his jaw tensed, his eyes narrowed, and he began to take a threatening stance. He was becoming angry and hostile. I quickly looked around, and the only people in the parking lot was an elderly lady and a bag boy gathering the grocery carts, and they were both several lanes over and toward the front, and I was near the back of the parking lot. It was just me and this guy who was obviously having a serious problem with me, that I was not taking the bait and offering him a ride. For reference, I'm female, five foot four and 140 pounds. He had some pounds, height, and muscle on me, and it suddenly dawned on my naive small girl self that he would just shove me over and get in my car with me and I might not be able to get away. My keys were at the bottom of my purse and my driver's side door had a broke lock so staying in the car or just shutting the door real quick and leaving was not an option. Before things could go further I made my decision. I was not going to be trapped in my car. I quickly grabbed my purse, jumped out, and got on the other side of my car before he even had time to think about it. And being the sweet southern girl I am, I turned to face him as I backed away and told him I was sorry to hear about his father and wished him well, but I just remembered something I needed to buy in the store. 
I turned and did not walk but ran back into the store. I made sure to come out when there was plenty of people in the parking lot, and he was not there, and I have not seen him since that day. He was obviously not going away. Then there was the issue of his becoming angry with me, which in itself was scary. The whole time he and I were talking, I could not understand why he did not just go ask someone else for a ride, but he seemed determined that it was going to be me. Since that day, I am a lot more careful and really don't sit in my car in a parking lot and read anymore. This is one of my favorite stories to tell, describes my childhood, so I decided to share. It was 2009, I'm in high school and I'm male. English is not my first language, so feel free to give me a writing lesson. I live on an island where most people leave near the coast, but my childhood house is deep in the mountains. Imagine a house in the woods, but at the very top of a mountain. The house is surrounded by thick mist every night, like in the bad horror movies, and the woods around it start less than two feet from the outer walls of the house. Our closest neighbor is a 15-minute drive, and five minutes away, there's an abandoned house. I think the house belonged to a distant relative, but it was abandoned more than 40 years ago. There's no street lights, and there's all kinds of animals roaming around the area. This is important to the story, because even though you couldn't see a group of 10 people hiding one meter away from you in the woods, you could hear absolutely everything up to a couple kilometers away. If we saw car lights or heard a car approaching, me and my family would turn off all the lights and hide. I don't know why. Shy, antisocial, you name it. I think that's enough to set the story up, but I'll add some details that might be important. My house is small and impoverished, but our family car was a good one. I don't know much about cars, but my dad always says that without a really good car, we wouldn't be able to go up and down the mountain we lived in. Also, there's currently eight people inside our house at around 11 p.m., so, I'm at the dining table enjoying some cereal while I watch some anime, having the time of my life. The lights in the house were on, so nothing could be seen in the dark outside. There's a window in front of me that gives to the front entrance of the house and the only road. Something calls my attention, but I nor hear nor see anything. I think I see a human silhouette outside, but it doesn't move so I just ignore it as some effect of the lights in the house in my own reflection. More anime, more cereal. I feel something moving at the other side of the window, and this time, the silhouette is waving at me. I felt my heart jump out of my chest and froze. The person outside waves at me, as if trying for nobody else in the house to notice him. After maybe 10 seconds, in which I'm just looking at him with a spoon halfway to my mouth, he decides to call. Hello, I need help. 
My parents hear him and approach the window, which made me sure I wasn't looking at a ghost. Amazing news. The man outside starts telling a story about how he got his car stolen at gunpoint and needs help. My parents are surprised that nobody heard his footsteps or car or anything, so they whisper their theories amongst themselves. For the mysterious guy's story to be true, he had to be mugged more than a mile away, get his car stolen, and then walk for half an hour in the dark through the woods, following the dim light of our house. My parents still decide to believe him and they offer calling the police. Our visitor begs to say the stupidest thing he could have. Don't call the police. I I don't have a gun. My parents stay silent for a while. The guy outside knows he messed up, but proceeds to make his request. Can I get a ride downtown? My dad nervously chuckles and gives him an excuse. He mentions the time, the fact that he felt the guy was lying and that he had already called the police. That was a lie. This is when my favorite part of the story begins. I stand up from the table, shaking. I go to a closet, and even though I can't see the guy's face, I know he's following my actions. I get two machetes that are half my size and run to another room. I was terrified. And looking back, I probably took away the only weapons my parents could have used to protect themselves in case of an altercation. I open a door to the room where me and my siblings sleep, and they were watching some silly show, probably something stupid like Hannah Montana or iCarly, and their hyena laughter came out. My sisters are loud, and my younger brothers are four, seven, and nine years of age. So, their laughs are angelical by day and demonic by night. I signal at them to shut up, and they do so, joining me and my parents in our fear. We hear in silence as the guy says, It's okay if you can't help me. I'll go to the next house. My dad says, There is no next house. You should wait for the police here. The stranger replied with, I don't need the police. I'm good. This goes back and forth. The guy is now in good shape to walk an hour down the mountain to reach downtown. My dad offers a rusty metal tricycle from our porch so that he can go downtown as a joke. The guy accepts this offer and grabs the tricycle. I assume he just wanted to leave with something. This tricycle is 20 years old and it definitely doesn't work. We hear the screeching of the tricycle for a couple seconds as the stranger struggled to be able to ride it, and then it stopped, not too far away from our house. It seemed like he stopped, and we didn't hear any footsteps that indicated the guy had left. After trying to identify if he was still on site to no avail, my dad calls the police. We waited in silence, looking at the road from the front windows. Fifteen minutes later, the police get there. Amazing time back home, heroic even. And as soon as the red and blue lights show up, they illuminate the entire road up to the abandoned house. The tricycle is still in the road not too far away. The police claim not seeing anybody on the road. 
only one road in the mountain. If the guy kept on walking, they would have seen him. So they just took a look at the woods with a flashlight and called it a day. The cops were clearly freaked out by the eerie look of our house and did not stay more than five minutes. Nothing else happened that night. I slept with two machetes under my pillow, which I remembered angered one of my sisters. We have no idea who the person was. No carjackings were reported the next day. And even though a lot of weird shit happened around my house, we never saw this guy again. It's pretty obvious he was trying to steal our family's car, but there were a few things we could never understand. Where the hell did he come from? Where the hell did he go? If this story was true, he had the worst luck in the world. I think the situation was interesting because I think about his point of view and our horror night turns a bit comical. I mean, imagine this. You go rob a house. Turns out the people inside speak calmly. I don't know how much criminals encounter this as they try to intimidate or deceive. There's a scrawny, seemingly mute kid that tries to be sneaky and grabbing some machetes and then hide in the darkness in the house. And there's child laughter coming from the non-visible rooms from the house. He could see the doors, but not the inside of the room, which would be geometrically impossible to look into from the windows. I think we were lucky to out-creep the creep that night. I don't see any other reason for the guy to back out of his plans. The guy clearly had a gun and bad intentions, not to mention his ability to ninja walk through a forest where we even hear wildcats walking around. Also, no neighbors to witness or hear anything. I'm sure some other person would have told the story better, but I gave it a shot. So, creepy guy in the woods coming up to our home in the middle of nowhere. I hope we don't run into you again. So, this is a story of what happened to me around two weeks ago. I'm a preteen, by the way. So, after being home alone for around two hours, the rest of my family were out shopping. I decided to go outside a bit to ride my bike around my apartment complex. Pause. So, my complex is like two to three story white buildings with a parking lot in the middle of both of them. After hopping on my bike and driving in long circles for the past 20 minutes, I got bored and sat on the steps leading up to the door and started thinking about life and shit. After a couple minutes of fantasizing, I look over to the driveway and was surprised to see a black cube-type van with tenant windows. Quick note, I've lived in this complex for around a year and didn't recognize the vehicle pulling up the driveway. The van was going up my driveway in reverse, and as it got closer, I noticed that it had stickers of the family in it. Except, this wasn't the stickers of a family because it was only one man sticker and a lot of children stickers. Around 12. I was a little freaked out because who wouldn't be right? But anyways, after pulling up my driveway, the driveway is like a hill, and blocking it off, he stopped and opened the door of his van, and I could see he had a ski mask on. I took out my cell phone and screamed, 
I'm calling the cops, you sick freak. And he stepped back into his van and squilled away, leaving tire marks imprinted on the gravel. I called my mom and told her. She later called the cops and filed a report. So far, he hasn't been back, and I hope he won't be. Creepy old sexual assaultist man? I hope we never meet again. And that, dear listeners, brings it close to these true let's not meet stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.